Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Two nights a week on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm considering this one. What does it feel like to get COVID? It's day 259 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India and we are reporting 7,244,113 cases with 110,686 deaths. This is the 99th episode of this podcast and while I'm very proud of all the conversations with experts that we've had, I'm intensely conscious of the fact that I haven't directly confronted the human aspect of the virus. What encountering it has felt like Tonight's episode and the 100th episode that goes up on Sunday are towards that reckoning. Uma Mahadevan Das Gupta. No, Uma is fine. Absolutely. Is an IAS officer, principal secretary in the Ministry of Rural Development and Panchayati Raj in the government of Karnataka. For you on the podcast. Yeah. Sure. If you're on Twitter, you might know her as @readingkafka, where she posts cheery pictures of anganwadis and asha workers as she travels around the state on work. In September she was hospitalized with covid and although she is home now she is still working on regaining her strength. She kindly spoke to me about what it was like to have her world turned upside down. I've been actually uh, slowly getting back to uh, doing calls. I've been basically trying to do just one call a day right. so that I don't get too uh, strained but um, but uh, stamina is coming back here. Yeah. I asked her first how she thought she might have contracted the infection. RDPR department has worked uh, all through uh, right from the beginning. Right. We've worked um, uh, because certain departments um, provide essential services. Right. And so we worked uh, all through the lockdown both given the nature of the uh, covid related work mm-hmm. as well as uh, the nature of one's uh, regular portfolio. Right. I was uh, working all through attending meetings and also traveling. uh to districts across Karnataka. Right. So do you, do you have any sense of where you could have contracted covid from? Do you have a sense of that? Um it's difficult to say really uh because I've been very cautious. I've been following all the precautions wearing wearing a mask very very uh strictly and uh, following the distancing precautions right. and uh, also um hand wash sanitizer and so on um but uh, given the fact that one is in a role where you're in contact with different people um, different groups of people you're attending meetings large yeah. gatherings uh, it's invariable somewhere there must have been um, uh, you know a moment when um, uh, something you do take off your mask to to have lunch you do take off your mask when you have to drink water and so on so it's difficult to say Okay. um uh, it's just happened one of those places in early september she got a fever i had not uh, really paid much attention when i first felt a little feverish okay. uh, this was in early september okay. uh, i felt a little feverish but i had a couple of urgent meetings so mm-hmm. i had to finish taking a briefing for all of that mm-hmm. and attended that but when i realized that i actually had fever i obviously uh, because one has to be uh, responsible about uh, others and co-workers to risk so i immediately came home mm-hmm. and uh, decided that the rest of the day i would i would be working from home mm-hmm. um and i somewhere at the back of my mind i knew that 
you know, the right thing to do is probably to get tested the very next day. But I imagine that it would go off. For the next week, Uma had a bit of a fever off and on, but nothing that she thought was of much cause for concern. She kept working from home and isolated herself from her family. It wasn't that I was afraid of the test. I, I know the test, the swab and so on. It was just that um, I kept expecting that this would go off because I've never really been a person who's fallen ill and so on and so forth. And I've uh, always had a very good immune system. Mm. Um, but when I went to the hospital and uh, they took the they took the swab, mm. um, they took two swabs, one uh, nasal swab and one throat swab. Yes. And of course, PPE and all of that. And then I came home, mm. um, continu- continued my work and mm. thought nothing about it and thought that, you know, the next day I should be much better and within a couple of days I should uh, uh, I should be able to go back to work because all along I kept thinking this is just an ordinary viral flu which yeah. happens to me once a year <laughs> and then at night they called and I got the SMS and it said yeah. that it's positive and then things suddenly changed. I found myself completely able to relate to the way Uma described wishing her fever away and her response after this as well is something I could well imagine doing. A couple of hours after my after my test report came to me by SMS, mm-hmm. um, uh, the person who called me uh, to check from the helpline uh, mm-hmm. uh, to check what my symptoms were and uh, so on uh, asked me, you know, shall we admit you to a hospital? And I said, look, I'm I, I just have fever. I don't have anything else. Fever mm-hmm. and a bit of diarrhea. I was I was you know. Um, in hindsight, I was downplaying my symptoms because I was wishing it away. And it's it's not the most sensible thing to do, but uh, uh, yes. but it's natural, I guess. Yes. And yes. so he said, no, no, ma'am, you need to go to the hospital. Then so I started um, arguing with him, saying that, look, my symptoms are not serious. Mm-hmm. I don't have breathlessness and so on. Then he transferred me to a doctor. Uh, and the doctor again told me that, why don't you get admitted? Okay. So I, I explained to him that as per the state protocol, since I just have fever and I, my pulse oximeter was, I was, you know, we buying a couple of pulse oximeters was one of the first things we did um, uh, as a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, anything happened, we would go by that 95%. <laughs> so I said, there's, there's no problem with my oxygen saturation. So I, so I argued using, using the little knowledge that I had yes. um, and managed to convince them that I was fine and I would be in home isolation as per the mm-hmm. laid down protocol. But things started spiraling pretty quickly. But the second night um, uh, when I went for my uh, shower hmm. uh, just before bedtime, hmm. I suddenly realized that I could barely stand and oh. I was I was having difficulty um, breathing. Oh um, uh, so I didn't really, again, I was downplaying it. Hmm. Um, I had my shower. I didn't tell anyone in family hmm. that this was the difficulty. It was late night, so I didn't want to put anybody, uh, you know, at you know, to difficulty and inconvenience. But late that night, again, at two o'clock in the morning, I woke up again, 102 fever. Then I realized that, you know, this means I need to do something about it. Um, And the next morning, of course, I discussed with a a, a colleague and a friend who's a doctor. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you you really need to get um, admitted. First, go and get a high-resolution CT scan done immediately. Okay. Uh, so that's what happened, and uh, the CT uh, showed uh, uh, showed uh, ground glass opacity and lung involvement. It apparently was really 
scary stuff because when the doctor saw the CT findings, he said, we need to admit you right away and start a treatment of uh, remdesivir and uh, steroid and so on. So that's what happened next. Yeah. Did that frighten you, the moment of having to be admitted to the hospital? Did you feel that things were now escalating? Yeah, uh, that was actually the moment when I started feeling a little um, a little uh, uncertain. Yeah. Um, because, uh, A, because uh, one has read about COVID hospitalization and, you know, the fact that uh, getting into hospital, what kind of treatment, how are doctors and nurses coping with having to wear PPE and treat patients yeah. and uh, whether you're really cared for properly in the COVID yeah. ward and so on. But also, once you're a COVID-positive patient, you you can't travel, say, in your own car with your driver, right? You you right. have to travel by ambulance, by a COVID ambulance. And that's when uh, suddenly things change because, uh, as I say, it's one of the loneliest places in the world right now is in the back of a COVID ambulance um, because uh, everybody's wearing PPE. Mm-hmm. The driver's wearing PPE and you're only you're alone, the doctors, the nurses, the emergency tech, everybody's wearing PPE. And only you emerge um, wearing normal clothes and uh, and a mask and looking slightly scruffy like somebody from the 20th century. And the whole thing looks okay. feels so um, dystopian mm-hmm. uh, because you emerge straight from there and then you get into the triaging uh, room mm-hmm. in the hospital where there are all these beeping sounds and patients who are connected to pulse oximeters and and uh, different machines and wires and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly you um, uh, lose your own sense of control, uh, yeah. you know, which, which of course is the hospital experience in general, but in COVID it feels a little more, uh, a little more uh, intimidating. Yeah. Um, it's also emotionally very difficult because when you're stepping out of your home, yeah. you at some level, you are wondering whether you're going to come back. Yeah. And whether you should be recording messages, literally, you feel, you know, whether you should be recording messages to say goodbye to your family. And mm-hmm. um, you can't hug anybody. You can't touch anybody. You have to keep that distance. Yeah. Um, you you just uh, say goodbye. So that's that's a little unnerving. Yeah. I have two boys. So um, they're, they're teenagers. Uh, mm-hmm. The younger one is a preteen. Uh, the older one doesn't talk much. The younger one uh, talks a lot. But... Uh, uh, they didn't know how to express their anxiety. So the next day, from the next day onwards, they would make FaceTime calls, right. especially my younger one. Yeah. And um, he would he would keep sending me his homework every day. He's perfectly able to do his own homework himself, but he would keep sending it to me and saying, check it, check it. Are you? Can you edit it? Is it okay? Yeah. And I think at some level he was expressing his anxiety because yeah. he wanted to uh, he wanted to reassure himself that if um, if Amma edits his homework or looks at it or sends it back saying it's okay, then she's okay. The happy part begins here. Uma's hospital experience was luckily something she is full of praise for. I was a little um, apprehensive about hospital experience and especially because all along whenever I've been in hospital, the the time my my, uh, child was born, my husband would stay the night, you know, on the attendant's a bed or uh, this thing so I've never been alone but here in the COVID ward you don't get an attendant you don't um, have access to that so I was a little nervous but I must say that uh, 
uh, as soon as I stepped out of the ambulance and into the emergency ward where they do the triaging and they take your vitals and they start um, uh, they start the process of checking your temperature, you you actually seed control and you feel that you're uh, now being looked after and now you can actually take a break because all along when I was in home isolation I felt like I needed to be checking my pulse oximeter right. I needed to be checking my uh, temperature I needed to be making the judgment calls whereas right. when you're in a hospital right. you are in the hands of professionals right. so right from there and then when at night this was late at night when they took me up to my room right. um, and uh, when the nurse came, a very cheerful, perky Malayali nurse from uh, Koteam, and introduced herself. And she came wearing, you know, Rukmini, she came wearing PPE. And this was the thing that I thought PPE would make the entire experience because they're wearing headgear, they're wearing a face shield, they're wearing um, an overall and gloves and uh, you can't see their face. Um, but but you can actually see the smile in their eyes. <laughs> and they have these little, little um, with permanent markers, they've, they've written their names and little smiley faces on the back of their overalls so that patients know who's coming. Okay. She introduced herself with her name. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was amazing. From the nurses to the cleaning staff to the doctors, Uma is full of praise for all of the healthcare staff she interacted with and the service that she got. While I'm, of course, very happy to hear that she got great care, just this week I've also had friends have to work the phones for an ICU bed in Bangalore for relatives. I had to ask her if the experience brought home to her her privileges. Yes, uh, with with privilege and with, with information to take informed decisions. I still feel that in my, in my own case, uh, things could have gone badly wrong because I had um, uh, downplayed everything to myself mm -hmm. um, uh, and just managed to reach hospital uh, before uh, infection uh, turned severe. Uh, but I am aware that uh, staying in a city, uh, especially a very large city with very good medical care, mm -hmm. um, uh, makes a big difference. As a public servant, the experience has also reiterated to her the importance of further strengthening public health systems. I am optimistic that uh, using the experience and the learnings from this pandemic, we can work uh, harder and better and take better decisions on improving general healthcare, not only at the tertiary level, but also at the secondary and at the primary level. Because if you look at the way in which, and those have been some of the most wonderful and uh, uh, special lessons. If you look at the way the ASHA network and the frontline community workers, Anganwadi workers, ASHA workers especially, in our state, uh, Karnataka, but also in the country, uh, that has really been the backbone of the primary, uh, you know, uh, efforts to reach out, you know, identifying patients with NCD, identifying patients with other vulnerabilities, oh. comorbidities. Um, an entire house-to-house -house survey was done using oh. the ASHAs and the community workers in Karnataka, one oh. and a half crore households. So that's extraordinary. And I think there are tremendous uh, uh, gains that can be made if we leverage the potential of our of our. Uh, 
community workers and also of our healthcare system and improve it not only during the pandemic but even beyond for for generally better to offer generally better healthcare for people in our country thank you for listening this episode was edited by anand krishnamurthy the next episode is our 100th episode and on that episode what does it feel like to lose someone to covid Thank you.